Hey folks, welcome to episode 3 of Walk-Offs and Walk-Ons. Uh, your host Rob Adams here, and uh, yeah, let's get this thing started. So on the docket for this episode, we're going to have our usual segments. So uh, prospect of the day, bust of the day, steal of the day, and underrated player of the day. Um, also going to use a couple announcements here. Um So on episode either four or five, depending on schedule, we're going to have our first guest on here and uh, quite excited for that. Um, I'll announce who it is as we get closer to the episode airing. Um, And we also, um, in terms of uh, viewer quality here, um, I'm getting a new microphone uh, that should be arriving here in the next week or so. So uh, look forward to uh, some better audio, hopefully for you folks. And I'd also uh, want to direct your attention to um, my buddies over at the Daily Intermission. They it just uh, their most recent episode they aired. I believe it's episode twenty three for them um, uh, with their uh, guest named Kevin, and it's uh, uh, an episode largely focused on um, women in sport. And uh, it's honestly, guys, it's just worth such a listen. Um, so yeah, head on over to the Daily Intermission to make sure you check that out as well. And then uh, we're also going to have, of course, uh, pr- breaking news um, that has occurred, as well as our viewer questions. Um, so to get this started, might as well get right into it. Um, Carson went to the Colts, and uh, as a Colts fan, I've been bombarded with questions about uh, how I feel about this, so might as well get right into the details here. So the details of the trade finally happened. There had been speculation going on for quite a long time, uh, linking Carson Wentz to the Colts. Um, because of the Colts' win-now uh, roster uh, with a glaring need at quarterback, as well as uh, Wentz's relationship um, with uh, the Colts' coaching staff. He had his best years when uh, Frank Reich was coaching him back in Philadelphia, who is now the Colts' head coach. So uh, Wentz goes to the Colts for a third-round pick this year in a conditional second round pick next year and uh, the conditions on that pick are um, if Wentz plays 75 percent of the snaps for the Colts this year uh, that second rounder next year would become a first rounder Um, the same thing if Wentz plays 70 percent of the snaps for the Colts next year and the Colts make the playoffs so either one of those scenarios the second round pick next year becomes a first um, yeah, so that's a compensation for that. Uh, the Colts are on the hook for, uh, I believe it's in the mid-20s of his salary each year for the next four years. And uh, Philly's taking a dead cap hit of almost $34 million in this deal. So as the diehard Colts fan that I am, um, in terms of how I feel about the Wentz deal, um, I'm optimistic. Uh, I wouldn't say I've fully started drinking the Kool-Aid yet, but, um, I mean, we won 11 games with, uh, Philip Yeet Rivers last year, so, um, I think ones will definitely be an upgrade over that, um, I feel like Wright can probably bring, um, if not his old self out of him, like, at least a shadow of it, um, and honestly, that could be good enough, because that team is ready to go, so, like, um, I think he was the best option available to us as well after the Stafford deal went down and uh, we didn't give up near as much as the Rams did for Stafford. Um, and I'm glad for that. So um, in terms of what we gave up, 
I'm I'm quite happy with the deal, um, and I really hope that uh, his best days are ahead of him, not behind him, and uh, that this is a uh, deal that works out uh, for the long term for the Colts. Uh, when we get back to like 2016, 2017, Wentz, uh, you're gonna have one happy Colts fan right here. So that should uh, cover the big headlines uh, for right now. Um, big headline, I should say. Um, there's also a lot of rumors, obviously, about Deshaun Watson going on right now. And um, what's real, what's not, I mean, it's really anyone's guess. The Texan, Texans are adamant that uh, he's their guy and they're not trading him. And uh, Deshaun is uh, pretty insistent that he's leaving. So uh, we'll see where that ends up. But um, just uh, something to keep an eye on is uh, the Carolina Panthers right now. Um, I know they've been one of the teams linked to Deshaun, one of the many, but um, they're starting to move um, like they're anticipating getting him, if that makes any sense. Um, they're shifting uh, multiple players. Um, they're changing the structure of their contract right now to free up uh, cap space and, um, you know, like uh, make room for someone. Uh, and, I mean, it's all speculation right now, but... Um, the fact that they're actually going through with uh, reconstructing guys' contracts like leads you to believe that they're uh, maybe a little more uh, fire where there's smoke here. So um, be on the lookout for that. Um, it's also been rumored that uh, they may potentially include Christian McCaffrey in a deal for uh, Deshaun Watson. So uh, that could be quite a blockbuster. So uh, stay tuned for that. And the last thing before we uh, get into our segments here is um, just where we are on the NFL calendar at the moment. So um, in February, where we are right now, um, we're looking forward to the franchise tag um, window, which is the next thing up on the calendar. So um, I believe it's February 23rd. It begins um, and March 9th. It ends. And for those unfamiliar with the franchise tag, um, what it is, is uh, for someone who was under contract for your team during the previous season, um, you can place a franchise tag on them. There is one per team, I believe. And um, what essentially what it is, it's a one-year deal, and it's uh, a one-year guaranteed salary averaged out from the top players at the position. Uh, so the value of it and um, so I mean it, it's great money for one year but uh, the issue most players have with it is um, there's no security in it so um, if you get hurt while playing on the franchise tag then you're um, a guy who's entering free agency uh, likely coming off surgery and uh, with no ties to anyone so that's why a lot of guys um, really aren't a fan of the tag but um, I mean, it, it can be quite lucrative for one year. Uh, you just are absent that security. But um, uh, it also is worth noting that you can negotiate a long-term deal while um, the tag is on you. Um, I believe it's usually you have from the time the tag is placed until it's usually middle of July, I believe, um, to negotiate a long-term deal to uh, void the tag. But, um, yeah. So that is uh, the next thing up on the calendar that should be starting in the middle of next week. 
So I'm actually going to start out the segment with um, a fan question first. Um, and a uh, fan of the show, Jacob, he wants to know, um, would I rather Najee Harris or Travis Etienne as the first running back off the board in this year's draft? So I'm going to combine this question with um, my prospect of the day as well. So we're going to make Najee Harris our prospect of the day, the running back from Alabama. So um, to, before I even get into who Najee Harris is, um, I just want to start out like this is a huge bias for me. So please consult all your sources, uh, draft people. Um, don't just listen to me about this because I am largely biased about Najee Harris. So um, I'm actually going to do a little background on Najee first, and then I'll get into the comparison. So uh, Najee Harris, to me, is my favorite prospect um, because I am so biased. He's a running back from Alabama, which immediately creates a bias for me because my favorite position at my favorite school, um, it's just like a dream for me. So then you add in the fact that this guy is just phenomenal football player and um, like he just had an incredible season this year and he's played well ever since he's been there. Um, now, interesting thing with him is um, he was the number one running back recruit in the country coming out of high school. And um, he went like five star, everything went to Alabama where he basically sat for two years. Um, now it wasn't for lack of ability. And I mean, he was still dressed and got in when they were blowing teams out and stuff, but um, he had Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris in front of them. And uh, both those guys are starting in the NFL now. So like they're pretty good players. Um, so he, uh, instead of transferring out, like a lot of guys do, he sort of waited his turn and uh, in year three for him, he became the guy. And uh, he really came on at the end of um, that year. And then a year four, like his senior year, he just dominated. I mean, the power, the athleticism, like um, the production, like he, his touchdown production was off the chart. And uh, like, I, I really can't find a hole in his game uh, personally. Um, maybe the knock on him is he doesn't have the top end home run speed, I guess you'd call. Like, um, there was a combine this year. He's not a guy who's running in the four threes for sure, but he's a bigger guy, catches the ball extremely well, extremely smooth runner, agile, powerful, just the complete package you want at your running back. Now, Najee's also sort of um, a different guy in the sense that uh, he was doing an interview, I think it was back probably uh, December-ish or something like that, and um, they asked him, like, which athlete you look up to, and, like, your typical – like football player is going to say, um, like, um, if you're a running back, you look up to Derrick Henry or you look up to like Saquon Barkley, Adrian Peterson, people like that, or just athletes in general, you know, LeBron James, uh, et cetera. And Najee Harris's answer was Megan Rapido, the uh, very, very, very um, polarizing uh star for the u.s uh, women's national soccer team and um, they've actually been on uh, you know like uh, talk shows and stuff like that together after this and like they started doing each other's celebrations and everything and it's uh, i think it's kind of cool just to see like a different uh, different answer to that question and uh, a different um 
I don't know, is it partnership or a friendship that you uh, don't typically see around uh, those sports. So to end off uh, Najee's sort of prospect of the day, we're, um, the comparison that um, a lot of people have been giving him, and uh, like I said, I get a lot of my information from the Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, and um, they love to compare him to uh, Matt Forte, which I think is fair. Uh, it's not my favorite comparison, but I think just because of like the smoothness and um, the consistency and how well he catches the ball to the backfield, but... Um, to me, um, I guess I see a little more explosiveness and power than really Matt Forte. So, like, my comparison for him is Todd Gurley before the injuries, like um, back when he was just running the NFL, just at that size and that power. And uh, But to be that big and to hurdle guys effortlessly, like, um, so that's really where, where I'm at with Najee. But I'm also probably his biggest fan, so, you know, take what I say with a grain of salt. Um now to tie that into the viewer question that uh, Jacob posed, uh, compare him to Travis Etienne. So Travis Etienne's a different back. He's um, what I would call more of a speed elusive back, um, and he's got that quickness, like that suddenness and that speed. Like he's he is hard to tackle, and he is quick. He is shifty. He is fast. Um, doesn't bring as much power to the table, but you know what? He doesn't need, need to. Like you can't hit what you can't touch, right? So um, he's also a very good back, definite first-round talent for, in my opinion. Um, obviously, I give Najee the edge, but um, uh, the comparison that I'll give to uh, Travis Etienne here is um, Jamal Charles. But I'm not going to say he is Jamal Charles. Um, like, that's not fair to anyone because um, those three or four years where Jamal Charles was, like, at the top of the league. But, um, yeah, that type of back. Um Runs the ball well, catches the ball well, but just that burst is uh, what uh, Travis Etienne is bringing to the table. But, um, yeah, I'm taking Najee Harris all day. All right, so now that we've uh, covered prospect of the day, I'm going to get right into uh, bust of the day here. And uh, the bust of the day for this episode is none other than Kevin White. So uh, Kevin White was a one-year megastar at uh, West Virginia um, in college. A big, physical, strong, but also quite fast receiver um, who just dominated one year at West Virginia and um, dominated enough that uh, he was the number seven pick overall in that draft uh, to the Chicago Bears. And uh, coming out, like there was honestly, experts were split down the middle on uh, who was better between him and Amari Cooper. And uh, everyone knew the Raiders were going to take a receiver at number four. And um, there was, like, debate constantly. Kevin White versus Amari Cooper. And, like like I said, it was about split. Like, about 50% of people had Kevin White as the number one receiver in that draft. And um, not to say Amari Cooper's headed to the Hall of Fame, but he's definitely played worthy of a first-round pick. Maybe not the number four overall pick, but... Um, like, Amari Cooper is a good football player, and Kevin White just could never figure it out. He um, He's just, he couldn't stay healthy for the life of him. Um, and he, he's still technically in the league. He hasn't retired or anything, but um, through, he drafted in 2015, and we're in 2021, and the guy's played 20, no, 17 career games he's been active for, has um, 25 receiving yards. 
25 receiving yards total at career um, for the number seven pick for the 2015 draft. So uh, safe to say, um, barring some crazy career rejuvenation, uh, Kevin White is your bust of the day. And with that, we're going to move right into our underrated player of the day. So I think it's about time I give some hoggies some love here. Like I'm a former running back myself, and I love me a good O-lineman. So uh, we're going to go to Mitchell Schwartz, the right tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and right tackles definitely don't get enough love. Like when offensive linemen do get love, it's always the left tackles, unless you're Quentin Nelson, in which case you get some guard love there. Huge Quentin Nelson fan here. But we're going to talk about Mitchell Schwartz. So Mitchell Schwartz, the right tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, just had a very solid career um, early on and um, really, really came into form during the Chiefs Super Bowl run of the 2019 season. Um, I'm a guy who likes uh, like uh, pro football focus and all those analytics and stuff and like some of the mind-blowing stats that come out of that. And um big one for him was uh, like in the 2019 playoff run where the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Mitchell Schwartz allowed one pressure the entire postseason. One pressure, not one sack, one pressure the entire postseason going against like elite pass rushers off. And a lot of teams now, like when it's a pass rush down, they switch their pass rushers. So they have their best pass rusher going up against the right tackle because they're usually not quite as good as the left tackle. So he's taken on like these dudes, especially the pass rush of the Niners. Like there are some dudes on that line. And um, yeah, one hurry or pressure, whatever you want to call it, the entire 2019 postseason. And if you ever want to look at like the value of them, um, watch this year's Super Bowl where uh, Schwartz was hurt. Um, I don't think he played in the postseason. He was hurt for quite a while, but um, he definitely didn't play in the Super Bowl. And you saw how their backup tackle got his fucking lunch fed to him every play. And, like, you saw Mahomes running for his fucking life. And that's just um, – the underappreciated value of an elite right tackle right there. So, um, yeah, Mitchell Schwartz, your underrated player of the day. And without further ado, we'll, we will uh, keep the segments rolling along and get into our uh, steal of the day. So the draft steal of the day today is Fred Warner, the linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers. So uh, Fred Warner was a third-round pick. In uh, 2018, I believe. Yeah, 2018 uh, by the Niners, uh, number 70 overall. So he wasn't like too deep into the draft, but um, still third round pick. And uh, guy made his uh, first 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 team all pro this year, um, his third year in the league. And uh, wow, you want to talk about a guy who flies around the field making tackles, but can stay on the field in coverage as well. Just um, Truly, truly spectacular talent um, at the linebacker position where you don't see a whole lot of that anymore. Like, um, I'd say there are about five um, elite inside linebackers left in this game um, as everything's played on the edges now and you have to be able to cover so well. So, yeah, he's uh, definitely one of the five. And uh, to get him in the third round, um, I'd say definitely a steal for the Niners. And, uh, like, that's... um, Getting a player of that caliber 
in the third round. Like third round, I'll get into in one of my uh, draft preview episodes. You're just looking for a guy who can be um, a fill-in starter at first and eventually become a, a decent starter. Um, to get a, a first-team All-Pro player in the third round, um, great job by the Niners scouting staff. And uh, Fred Warner is your steal of the day. So I'm just going to round out the episode here, just answering a few more fan questions. Um, something I was going to do today um, was talk a bit about the salary cap and do a segment on that. But um, the league just changed um, a couple things regarding the cap. And uh, there's still an impending announcement waiting on uh, one of the big numbers that I'm going to need to know before I do that. And um, my friend Ben asked me a question regarding the Saints salary cap situation. So I'm going to hold off on that one for now um, until I get the final numbers and uh, then we'll do a little cap crunch there. But um, just a little preview of that the Saints are fucked regardless of the number, just just in case you were wondering. Um, <laughs> but moving on to the next question from my buddy Hank. And Hank wants to know, is Antonio Brown a Hall of Famer? Yes. No hesitation, no thought about it. Yes. Antonio Brown, the football player, is a Hall of Famer. Um, just absurd numbers and productions over multiple years. Like, um, if you want to get finicky with it and compare, you can compare them over the years to Megatron, and AB will come out on top. Like, he was that good for during that period. So, absolutely, Antonio Brown's a Hall of Famer. Did he have one of the most epic public fucking unravelings we've ever seen? Yes, he did. Um, numerous off-the-field issues. Absolutely. Guy was just um, like a, a headline and not in a good way for quite a while. But um, Pro Football Hall of Fame is for your ability on the field. And um, the reality is they're not all going to be saints to get in. So um, OJ's in. Mind you, the whole thing happened after he was in. Um, like, there's no reason for Antonio Brown not to be a Hall of Famer. So, um, to answer your question, Hank, Antonio Brown is absolutely a fucking Hall of Famer. Um, that'd be one hell of a speech, too. God, I'd buy, get some popcorn for that one. And um, Hank also wants to know, um, by the way, shout out to Hank for the participation. Um, I, I want you guys to, my viewers to send me questions because I love answering them. Like whatever you want to know, football, do my best to answer it for you and uh, try to get it on air. So um, keep sending them. And when I uh, ask for questions on my Instagram story, answer. It's pretty easy. So um, number two for Hanky here. Uh, he wants to know which running backs outside of round one have me excited. And I know what he's going with this because um, He's a big Jets fan, and they definitely need a running back. And um, pretty sure he's looking for one in the second or third round here, because um, I know what he wants to do with their top picks. But um, so, which running backs outside of round one have me excited? So, um, the prevailing ranking on the third and fourth running backs in the draft: um, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne are one and two, and they're both expected to go in the first round. Um, but three and four. Um, our teammates actually at a uh, North Carolina UN, University of North Carolina, uh, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. Um, it's strange for teammates to be like that close together, but yeah, uh, Javante Williams was definitely the more productive back in school. Uh, Michael Carter had a great showing at the Senior Bowl. 
Um, a lot of scouts are actually higher on him than Javante Williams, and um, I'll get in and compare them sometime. Uh, the guy for me, um, as much as it hurts sometimes to give some love to the Buckeyes when everyone was talking shit before the national championship, but uh, Trey Sermon, who is um, you follow Bucky Brooks, I believe he's his number five running back in terms of his prospect ranking. So uh, transfer from Oklahoma, who I watched quite a bit at Oklahoma. Um, went to Ohio State for just the one year, and uh, guy balled out. Oh my goodness, he um, he played fantastic this year, and he like set like the all-time um, Ohio State rushing record during a game. Um, I believe it was in the Big Ten Championship, um, either the Big Ten Championship or their playoff game. I can't really remember at the moment, uh, but the guy ran for like three hundred and change. And uh, just dominated that game. And he, he's a, he is definitely a power back, but he catches screens really well. He had a phenomenal hurdle um, that just displayed, like, athleticism I didn't know he had. Um, and uh, he showed he can tote the rock a whole bunch. Like, he's got some tread on these tires. So um, Trey Sermon is definitely a guy to look out for. Um, if you want to see the hurdle, I have the image of it um, up in my episode preview on my Instagram bio here Instagram story, sorry, right now. So um, Trey Sermon would definitely be um, running back past round one that has me excited. And um, also throw it down to Oklahoma State for our fellow Canadian, Chuba Hubbard. So he had a real breakout year in 2019. Um, elected to go back to school. Um, didn't quite have the great year that he was envisioning in uh, 2020, but, you know, he's still um, – Definitely still a really good running back. Um, look for him to go probably in the third, maybe fourth round. Um, but a lot of juice in that guy. So uh, Chuba Hubbard, you can add him in there with Trey Sermon. There you go, Hanky. All right, so the last question for today's episode, also submitted by uh, Jacob. Um, so shout out to him for uh, participating as well. So he wants to know Kyle Trask and Mac Jones. Um, in comparison there. So... Um, most experts have uh, Mac Jones as QB5, Kyle Trask as QB6, or vice versa. Um, I'm of uh, the opinion of Mac Jones QB5, Kyle Trask QB6. Um, both Heisman finalists, Mac Jones had like a historic season. Um, Kyle Trask threw the most touchdowns. Um, both good players, but both um, um, fall short of like the top four quarterbacks who are all projected on the top 10 of this year's draft. Uh, Mac Jones' biggest issue, um, one, is um, where he played, believe it or not. Um, it's a knock on him for winning a national championship, but um, he played behind one of the best offensive lines that uh, college football has ever seen. So he rarely got touched and played with Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, even though Waddle was her part of the year, um, John Mechie, who you'll see in next year's draft, um, Najee Harris, like, he just played with all these studs, so, like, his job was easy, and he made the most of it for sure, um, but, like, everyone really had to see him overcome anything or uh, deal with a lot of pressure in his face, and he's uh, not terribly mobile, so um, those are sort of the knocks on Mac Jones, but in terms of leadership ability, um, like, skill, throwing the football, and uh, mental processing is fantastic. And uh, 
Kyle Trask is a very good player as well. A little more athletic than uh, Mac Jones. Um, and he threw so many touchdowns but this year. Uh, strong arm, kid, leader, just everything you want. Um, his stock, unfortunately, took a big hit during their bowl game, uh, which there were factors a little bit beyond his control. Um, his two top targets, uh, Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts, both opted out of their bowl game uh, to prepare for the draft. Uh, both projected to be first-round picks, and uh, they'll have their prospect episodes at some point, I'm sure, here. Um, Kyle Pitts actually projected to be, like, a top-ten pick. Um, most people have him as, like, the number two or three overall player in this year's draft as a tight end. Um, they opted out, and um, I believe their next receiver after – them also opted out so he was playing with uh, his b team and there was a lot of bad drops but trask ended up he tried to do too much and he threw some ugly picks and i mean ugly picks like um was honestly terrible to watch and uh, i think a lot of people still have their bad taste in their mouth about kyle trask um, but even without that game he doesn't quite stack up to the lawrence fields um Wilson and Lance class. He was just a little tier below. So um, Mac Jones over Kyle Trask for me. Uh, look for Mac Jones somewhere from a uh, pick like 15 to the end of the first round. Uh, look for Kyle Trask somewhere in the second round. So um, just to finish up the episode, just a couple of notes. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm going to have a, a guest coming up. Um, whether it will be episode four or five uh, for the guest will be remain to see how ambitious I get with recording and uh, how his schedule lines up. Uh, but very excited to have him come on the show. He's uh, someone who's definitely played a lot of football and definitely knows a lot about football. So um, very excited to have him coming up. I'll uh, announce who it is um, a little closer to the episode airing. Um, also, I'm going to do a draft preview episode coming up. Um, just solely focused on the draft, um, not so much about NFL news. Um, that'll be coming up probably the next episode that I record uh, solo, uh, barring any major announcements, a.k.a. Deshaun Watson trade. Um, I'll work on getting that out to you, um, as well as my first um, pre-free agency mock draft, um, which is, we know is a total crock of shit because free agency changes everything. Um, in terms of who people draft, but um, we're going to throw it out there anyway, and uh, why the fuck not? So um, look for uh, Rob's mock draft, Rob's pre-free agency mock draft 1.0 to be coming your way uh, sometime in the coming weeks. And um, thanks for listening, and um, I do this for fun. Um, I like talking to you guys, um, so keep your questions coming. Um, and also thank you for participating in all the Instagram polls and stuff. Um, it's just really fun for me to talk about ball. So, um, in every way possible. So, uh, your participation is appreciated and encouraged. Thanks for listening.